So I, I hate to burst any bubbles or pull down anyone from their pedestals, but I want to tell you something about clergy. When a group of clergy get together and they start to talk, unfortunately, it's not unusual for humble bragging to emerge. We start to talk about our ministries and celebrate the good things that are happening in the places that we serve. And the next thing we know, the conversation has descended into a subtle form of one-upsmanship. We boast about the number of people who attended our Christmas service, or we talk about the number of children in our Sunday school. We trumpet our service to the diocese or the recognition we got from elected officials. We bluster and gloat just a little bit, and then sometimes passive-aggressively direct the glory back to God. <laughs> we are on a road of discipleship that leads only to the cross, and yet somehow, and for some odd reason, we can find cause to boast. Frankly, sometimes clergy are just a bit of a mess. Now, I'm sharing all of this with you not to put myself down and certainly not to put down my fellow clergy people. We are only human after all. No, I'm sharing this with you because it's my way of saying that the disciples in this morning's gospel lesson are not so unusual. On the surface, they are having an absolutely absurd conversation, right? And even they know it is absurd. When Jesus asks them about what they are arguing on the road, at first they fall silent. They can hardly admit that they have been bickering about which one of them is the greatest. And on one level, you might ask, who has arguments like this? And then on another, we should probably just go ahead and admit that people do this sort of thing all the time. So for instance, yesterday, I was in the checkout line at Whole Foods. The man who was ahead of me in line began to complain to the cashier about the unhoused people shopping at a store that was as expensive as Whole Foods. He got himself more and more worked up as he talked about how he could hardly afford to shop there, and he had a job and he worked. And then he got himself more and more worked up because as a working person, he paid taxes, and so he felt like he was the one who was paying for these unhoused people's groceries. And on and on it went. Honestly, I just found it very sad. Now, of course, there's a lot to unpack there, with much that I would like to argue against. But for our purposes this morning, I want to claim that he was making an argument for the fact that he deserved to shop at this particular grocery store, and these other folks did not. He was essentially elevating himself above them. He was making an argument about who was the greatest. And perhaps, 
perhaps by my sharing this story, I am, in some sense, elevating myself above him. I am, in some sense, making a case for why I am the greatest. We do this. We do this. We measure ourselves against others. We define our worth and value in ways that are grounded in fears of scarcity. We convince ourselves that there is only so much self-worth to go around and that we need to get our piece of it at the expense of others. Last week, Reverend Katie juxtaposed love and fear. And here we see this desire to elevate ourselves above others as a process driven by fear. Fear drives us to seek to establish our status in the world because we are afraid that the world might just not care for us. And more than even that, we seek status as a way of securing our identity. We seek status as a way of making sense of who we are in the world. We seek status because we are lost. We are lost, and we hope that the status that we receive will orient us and define us. We hope that the status will tell us who we are. Now, of course, as we see in this morning's gospel lesson, Jesus is offering an alternative. But let's admit out of the the gate that that what Jesus is offering is not a comfortable alternative. Jesus subverts our congenial hierarchies. He sits the 12 down and, and us along with them and says, whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. For Jesus, our status is not defined over and above others, but in being with and for others. Our status is defined by how we are present to one another, how we serve one another. This service might feel like we are losing ourselves, but in fact, this is how we find ourselves. Jesus tells us. This service is not about the eradication of our identity, but rather finding our identity in and with and for the other. And to make this point, Jesus places a child among these very important men. And he tells them that to welcome the child is to welcome Jesus. And to welcome Jesus is to welcome the God who sent him. It's important to recognize that that the child here is, is not a symbol of innocence. No, the child here is a symbol of powerlessness. The child has nothing to offer, nothing to bequeath. The child has a lack, a complete lack of status 
and in this context and age, almost zero legal rights. To welcome the child, to serve the child, is to serve one who can offer no worldly status in return. Here is the way of following Christ. Here is the way of being a disciple. Jesus invites us to find ourselves and to see ourselves in the vulnerable in the weak. But more than just that, Jesus invites us to see God in them too. Here is how we are to draw near to God, so that God might draw near to us. For indeed, the way of the disciple is meant to correspond to the way of Jesus, to the way of God. Jesus bids his disciples to follow his way of being for and with the other. For in Christ, God comes to be among us without the trappings of power and privilege. In Christ, God comes among us without status or rank. In Christ, God submits to human rejection and betrayal, submits to suffering and death, submits to the cross, so that through this way of suffering and death, sin and death are defeated. For indeed, God's power and God's wisdom is revealed in weakness and in vulnerability. Ultimately, our status, our dignity, our value and worth is not based on being better than others. Our value and dignity are grounded in God's love for us, revealed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is no greater accomplishment to win there is no worth greater than the worth that comes from being a child of God. For though we are broken, and though we are lost, and though we clamber in fear, longing to establish our identity over and above others, it is God's ever-abundant and ever-present love for us that provides our ultimate worth. For you and I and all those out there in the world of high estate and low, all of us indeed are beloved children of God. And there simply is no greater status. Amen.